0: Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place for you to experience a grace that heals.
1: We're glad you're here because we're excited about how grace can transform your life and your relationships. Stay tuned.
0: I'm Joel Grote,
1: Lynn Wilder,
0: and Michael Wilder. And today, the topic we want to talk about, discuss, is, is there really any
2: such thing as cheap grace? Mike, you want to start us off? Well, you know, um, if there's anything that, since I've become a Christian and began to understand the concept of grace, the words cheap grace really, really upset me uh, when somebody states that to me. And... I think it comes back from the fact that I lived 30 years in the legalistic system. I I lived 30 years in proving to my leaders and proving to God that I was a holy, righteous, religious man. Uh, That's at least what I thought. (laughs) Um, So, Mormons, our Mormon friends will use that term um, I've heard it a lot from my Mormon friends. When I was a Mormon and after I left the LDS Church, uh, and they use the concept of cheap grace, It says, well, you Christians think that uh, you can live any way you want to and God will save you. And they'll refer to it as cheap grace. Right. This whole idea
0: that if Christ really covers it all, if it's really totally dependent on Him, then... And if, if it doesn't depend on what I do, then what would keep me from simply living like I want?
2: Right, right. So I, I, I want to go back to a, a, a situation in the Bible. Uh, and we all know the story of the rich young ruler who came yes. to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we see this story where this man says, you know, uh, h- how do I find God? Yeah. How do I know God? Teacher, you know, what do I have to do to have eternal life? Right. And you know, I, I've I've done this. I live the commandments. I do all these things. And Jesus knew of his heart, knew of his love for money, said, "Sell everything you have and come follow me." And, and the last that we hear of is that the rich young man left. Now we don't know if we ever came back. We don't know the right. other side of the story, but he left. But what's interesting? and a lot of people forget this, is that when the disciples saw this, they kind of got nervous <laughs> themselves. Right. Like, well, you know, teacher, I uh, have we done enough? You know, we've left family. We left jobs. We followed you. I right. mean, are, are we going to make it? Yes. You know? I mean, mm-hmm. do we, you know, because we can't do everything ourselves. I mean, we've done everything we possibly can right. to, to follow you, and Jesus comes back to them and states this, what is impossible for a man to do is possible for God. Right. And they didn't get it, but what Jesus is saying, look, you guys could try to live the law, you can try to do everything you can to live the law, to live with Heavenly Father. right? But it's impossible. You can't do it on your own, but it's possible for God referring back to himself of going to the cross, right and atoning for our sins. And a lot of people miss that concept in that verse. So what is impossible for man to do? Man cannot save himself. Right. But God can save man. Right. And then later on, in uh, John chapter six, Christ does this so well when the, the apostles are talking about you know uh, of other things, that kind of actually leading from that. You know what what other things can we do? To you know what is the work of God? Right. You know I mean, are we doing enough works and everything? And Jesus states to them very clearly. This is the work you are to do. To believe in Him whom He has sent. That's it. Okay? Now, uh, we believe in Jesus. By believing in Jesus, He's going to do the work for us. And as stated in your previous um, podcast, uh, that doesn't give us an excuse to sin. You know, God... You know, Paul stated, you know, um, you know, this gets give us an excuse to sin and oh god forbid right. but but we know we can't do enough ourselves okay there's no amount of work that we can do to save ourselves right and as spoken of earlier you mentioned it earlier i kind of use the king james version the ephesians uh, you know well all know ephesians 2 8 and 9 but ephesians 10 if I you know it states there that we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So the good works is a byproduct of us being saved. Right. Okay? We're saved first. We can never ever say our works will save us. And Paul knew this, and James knew this very well. Because James never ever states that by your works you are saved, right? He states I will show you my faith by my works, but he never states works save you. And Paul states, you know, work out your salvation. In other words, in your walk in this life, yes. you know, understand what you're doing. Try to understand what, what salvation is. Yeah. But Paul never ever states, work for your salvation. Exactly.
1: And when I was Mormon, I would not have seen Mormonism as works based faith. So let me kind of walk someone through why a Christian sees Mormonism as works-based faith. Sure. So the definition of eternal life, according to the Preach My Gospel manual that missionaries use, is families forever living with God. Right. So in order to gain eternal life in Mormonism, you have to earn a temple recommend, pay your tithing, attend your um, meetings, yada, 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 right? You have to earn a temple recommend. Then you have to go through the temple for yourself, for hours of ordinances, saving ordinances, right? Hours of saving ordinances. And then each time you go back, you have to save the dead. And you have to do this to the end of life. And then if you've done enough, God's grace will kick in and you will gain or earn eternal life. So in Christianity, that eternal life in Mormonism is something that's earned through your works. Mormons say you are saved by grace, but you have to earn your exaltation. Right. You know what? You're earning eternal life, which is the right to live with God the Father. The Bible is, has something very different to say about eternal life. It says it's a free gift right. through your faith, right? So here you have, in in biblical Christian faith and Mormonism, two different ways to eternal life. Yes. So do you have the same faith do you have the same God if you don't have the same way to eternal life
0: right and what is what is that faith in because as as Mike said in the verse he quoted we were created for good works and that created only refers to believers so that's people who have been recreated they have become a new creation in Christ Mm -hmm. um, which I believe is in let's see I want to say 2 Corinthians 5, I think it's where that verse is. We'll put it in the show notes if it's not the <laughs> right place. But the whole idea is you can't even begin to do good works until you've been born again, Jesus to Nicodemus, until you've been made new. And that transformative act, that taking you from death to life, Paul uses two terms, in Christo and en Adon. You're either in Adam, in death, or you're in Christ, in life. Mm -hmm. That is a work of God's grace that transferring you from one kingdom to another. And um, that to me is part of what gets to the heart of when somebody says cheap grace. uh, There is no such thing as cheap grace because for grace to be offered, it already costs God Mm -hmm. everything. It already costs Jesus Mm -hmm. everything to procure that grace um, so there's no cheapness to it. Now, it's free, but we all know free and cheap aren't the same things. Right. Um, I've given my kids a lot of stuff for free in terms of presents. And some of them weren't cheap. It cost me quite a bit to be able to give it to them freely.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I think that's, a, that's an important distinction. I think it's one that people in performance-based religions miss. Because like you say, it's so interwoven and even grace the term grace is used but there isn't a real true appreciation of what the
2: grace cost yeah. god to be able to give it yeah when, when we think when we think of the uh, the crucifixion and again my dear friends in mormonism you really do not spend a lot of time on a study of the cross you just kind of talk about it as this is where jesus died mm-hmm. okay because the mormon concept is that the atonement happened in the garden of gethsemane okay right where, where christians and it completed on the cross and, right mm-hmm. and in and and that the cross was just a, a form of death we know that he laid it all out on the cross he states very well in john 18 you know luke defines the agony of what jesus went through during the garden of gethsemane yes he says you know father may this cup pass from me okay and he says but now is my will but as your will be done and so later on in john 18 john uh when when uh, the uh the temple uh soldiers came and arrested jesus yep and peter being peter <laughs> you know being a uh, uh uh, doing what Peter does he pulled out a sword and cut off the ear of the uh, servant of the high priest servant, yeah. yeah high Whack. priest servant <laughs> and and Jesus said you know Peter put away your sword and then he states shall I not partake of the cup mm-hmm. which if he partook took of the cup it would have been in the garden if he had did the atonement right but he hadn't done the atonement yet so he's telling Peter. Says I've got to go to the cross. Right. I've got to complete the work for you on the cross. So that's a very very important statement uh, where John states in John uh, eighteen, "Shall I not partake of the cup?" Jesus. And 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 so Jesus says mm-hmm. that John mm-hmm. records it. So he goes to the, the the cross, and we see where the cross is. Becomes a lightning rod for the wrath of God for the payment Mm -hmm. of the sins because there has to be a payment and There could only one you know, man sinned against God But man's incapable of paying that debt right only God himself Jesus manifested in the flesh as Christ Jesus on on the cross Could that debt be paid? Right. And you go through Jewish law, you, you see where you know they always took the lamb that was blemish free, and and the, I remember I was talking to a rabbi one time in Israel, you, you know, he'd talk about well, you cannot have atonement until you have death. Yes, see, and that's a problem about Which, celebrating it in the garden. Right, you have to have the shedding of blood. Mm-hmm. And you have to have death. And on yes. the cross, we see Christ shed the blood and there was death.
0: Right. Because I think it's Hebrews that says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission
2: for sin. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we see that the, the cross, you know, he, 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 when he goes to the cross, he takes the laws and the ordinances and nails them to the cross, as it states. Yes. And, and I, I can't remember the verse. We'll put that in the show notes. Yep. <laughs> but but the fact is is that he completed the works, okay? Right. And therefore when he said it was finished, it was finished paid in full. The debt was paid in full. It's done. We don't have to worry about it because when we go to the foot of the cross as Christians, we have nothing to negotiate with. All right. we can come there is with our faith and say, "We love you, Jesus." You did it all for us. Just as Jesus says, this is the work you're to do, is to believe in Jesus, whom God has sent. And by doing that, then there's nothing cheap about that. So if you ever call it cheap grace, that means you're going to stand before Jesus someday and say, Jesus, what you did on the cross was good, but it wasn't enough. I had to do extra, okay? Yeah. And when you state it that way, you're stating wow. that, whoa, <laughs> you know, you, you're, you, know you, you didn't ask for us to do enough. So right. we're, we're going to kick in and do the rest of it to, to be saved. And I think
0: one of the other freeing aspects of the grace that comes to the cross is, and it took me a while, even in my Christian life, I think, to really get a hold of this, that when Jesus takes First Peter 2.24, it says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. He takes sin, but he not only, I mean, along with the sin, he takes all the guilt. He takes all the shame. Mm-hmm. He takes all the moral, spiritual, psychological, emotional repercussions of our sin, which when we throw those rocks in the pond, you know, it's like the bigger the sin, the bigger rock in the pond, the more the ripples go out. And you don't undo that. Um, he takes that. And I think the first time it really hit me that Jesus took not only my sin, but with my sin, he took my shame. Um, And I remember thinking, when when we're hurt, when we hurt somebody else or somebody hurts us, the deepest hurt is not the physical pain. It hurts far more to be wounded relationally, to be wounded emotionally. And so I think of okay, what do I feel when I've hurt my wife or I've mistreated or hurt one of my kids? Um, the amount of shame, the amount of, in Spanish, um, there's not an exact English word for that. But it's kind of that idea of being ashamed. And I think, okay, that's excruciating. When I let myself feel that, what I did, and I think, okay, that's that excruciating to me to have to own that and feel that. Now you take Jesus and he owns the sin of the world. He takes all, he takes all that in one laser focused moment yeah. where he takes it all the wrath of God. Like you said, at the cross, the wrath of God Go is focused. And I yeah. think, okay, the pain of nails, which had to be excruciating, had to be nothing compared to feeling the excruciating pain of the shame of the pain, the relational devastation that we've caused over a lifetime, yeah. multiplied that by billions of people. That's what's on Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm with you, Mike. When somebody says, it that's just cheap grace, I go, whoa. If you're saying cheap grace, it's because you, you don't understand yeah. grace. Yeah, You don't understand what happened. Yeah. Um What was put through for our behalf? Go ahead, Lynn, because
1: I'm watching. And (laughs) anyone who does understand that does not turn back to a sinful life where they're again in bondage. Anyone who has any sense of this great love that God has for us, that he would do that for us. Then we would do anything for him. I mean it's very not to be saved, but because of the gratitude, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because of our salvation. you,
2: know, you think of it you know, in the scriptures this, you know, that Jesus who knew no sin became sin for us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Second I Corinthians five twenty one. You mm-hmm. just you just look at that, that statement itself. That he becomes sin. And so here's a man who knew no sin now becomes sin for us. And that is, you know, yeah. whoa, what was going on through that? You know, the agony. Yes, the nails are bad. The beatings were bad. But this internal thing is also very, very bad, which we cannot comprehend. We cannot comprehend. And I think that, you know, when Jesus, you know, is a lot of people misunderstand this. When Jesus is on the cross, crying out, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? A lot of people don't realize he's quoting Psalms. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, he's quoting David um, in his agony uh, when he was going through to, you know, fulfill that that statement because if, if he could actually read the whole thing, it ends up good. But we, yes. we don't hear the whole thing. And it, it, it's amazing that, you know, because... Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. You know, can you imagine going through that and then saying, well, oh, that's stop. This, uh, this is not good. I don't like it. I don't want to stop. Yeah. And, and he yeah, no, no, no. it could have it happened. Right. But he didn't, you know. Right. That's why he says, in the garden it was so important when he says, not my will be done, but your will because my will would be uh, I don't want to do because that's the man coming out of him. Right. Uh, because he had he hungered. He's thirst. He cried. He had the emotions of a man. Right. But he knew what he had to do. You know, for this purpose he was born. Yes. This this mm-hmm. purpose. remember you know when Jesus came back from as a young man from Jerusalem his whole life, he has seen men being crucified on crosses throughout the countryside of Israel. Right. His whole exactly. life. From the yeah. time he was a young man
1: mm-hmm.
2: all the way up came to... came back him from to, Egypt. They yes. along the road. Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. It, it was a form. It was there, and it wasn't, you know, I, I think, you know, the, the key thing is like 20,000, at least during the time of Christ, at least 20,000 men were crucified. Yeah, and well. what what's the beauty about Jesus, is that he was on the cross, he died, he was buried three days and three nights according mm-hmm. to the scriptures, and he rose on the third day, and that what separates him from the, all the other twenty thousand Jews that were crucified. Right. They the only died, one that rose again, but he yes. rose again. And that is the good news. Okay, So don't say it's cheap right? because it's all important of that death and resurrection because, you know, as Paul states in Corinthians, you know, chapter I don't know, 13 or whatever. Show it, notes. <laughs> it, about, you know, the importance of the resurrection. Without the resurrection, there is nothing. Right, So yes. his death was had to be because that fulfills a law. Okay? Yes. You know, shedding of blood, pure blood, uh-huh. and death then the law is completed by the resurrection because he rose we shall rise again yeah. that that's the beauty of it just by our belief in him right so so Lynn
0: um, final comment I, I'm watching you take this in right. and can tell it's like super <laughs> personal for you so so just in like a minute give me your take on why grace isn't cheap to you and why it's so valuable. As a, do that.
1: as a Mormon, I saw cheap, I would define it that Christians believed they were saved by grace and that was it. They they crossed over from death to life and then once they did that, they could do whatever they wanted. They had
0: license, fine. To live how we, yeah.
1: That's where that inaccuracy lies. Once a human being becomes a new creature in Christ, then that disposition to sin as the Holy Spirit lives in you becomes less and less, right? The Holy Spirit begins to work in you, change you, and then the most amazing thing, work through you to be the hands and feet of Christ.
0: Well, yeah. and I don't know, I mean, and I've had Mormon missionaries ask me point blank when they found out I was a believer, I believed in salvation by grace, say, well, doesn't that mean that now you're saved by grace, you can do whatever you want to do? What would just keep you from sinning? And I never answer the question with a statement, I always answer the question. Mm-hmm. And the question I try to remember to ask is this, does your mother love you? And most of them look at me like, well, yeah, my mom. what does it have to, yes, my mother loves me. Does your mother love you as close to unconditional as almost anyone can? Well, yes. So are you sure your mother's love? I mean, even if you did something really, really bad, would your mom still love you? And they're like, well, of course she would choose my mom. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, my question then is, since you're so sure of your mother's love, would you ever go out and do something intentionally to hurt her, um, to be mean? Because you're so sure of her love, would you ever do anything to take advantage of that love or act in such a way that would hurt her because you know you can And I've never had a single one say, yes, they would. (laughs) In fact, they all look at me like, What are you talking about? Why would I want to do that? And that's what I want to hear because I said, that's how it is with God, with me, with Jesus. There has been so much done. The unconditional love that Jesus has for me is so amazing. Why in my right mind would I ever want to do something to intentionally hurt him? I said the only people who are willing to live that way are the people who have never experienced the love of God. Because once you've experienced it, like you said, The gratitude. Now, it doesn't mean we're perfect, but man, to intentionally and you keep those records short when you realize you've done something. It's like, okay, Father, here I am. I messed up. I'm here for the blood of Jesus to clean me. Thank you. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's a. said it's an amazing thing.
1: Different way to live, huh?
0: Totally. Yeah. Well, um, man, thank you. That's great. Um, Appreciate both you guys um, talking about this, there is, bottom line is, people, um, there is no such thing as cheap grace. It is an impossibility. It's an oxymoron. And um, our hope is that as we've talked about grace even today, it's given you a, a greater appreciation, hopefully a greater um, hunger. And um, this podcast, it's all about helping you live in love love in a way that you flourish um, in and through the love of Christ. So thanks again for being with us. Mike, Lynn. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Bye, Joel. See you next time. we Will do.
0: <laughs> if this podcast has encouraged or helped you in some way, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us your comments right on the podcast website, which is unveilinggracepodcast.com. That's unveilinggracepodcast.com where you can experience a grace that heals.